Welcome to The Nest Podcast, a place where we have down-to-earth, uplifting conversations about women's health, healing, our inherent feminine wisdom, and the magic that happens when we decide to be the hero of our life and not the victim of it. Here, we'll explore a wide range of topics from holistic nutrition, metabolic health, and balancing your hormones, to mind-body medicine, and how intuition, spirituality, and consciousness are revolutionizing health and healing. The Nest Podcast is a safe place to land while being nourished and empowered along the way. In this first episode, my sister Elise is joining me as we discuss some of the pivotal moments in my healing journey, such as a miraculous healing that changed the course of my life, to then being willing to blow up my life in order to truly find my way back to myself again. We get up close and personal, diving into some adult conversation, so just a heads up if you have little ones around. So sit back, relax, open your heart and mind, and get ready for a dose of inspiration to motivate you on your healing journey. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Nest Podcast. Um, I am, yeah, I'm getting a little clap from my sister there. <laughs> and I get to be uh, on the first one. And you get to be on the first one. I have my sister Elise joining me today. Yeah, mainly because I thought it would be nice to just not do this alone. Yeah, talk to someone while you're telling your story. Yeah, I find it hard sometimes to do the monologue because I'm, you know, you wonder if what you're saying makes any sense. So just to have someone to be like, did that make sense? <laughs> Am I making any sense? The whole point of this first episode is to share a little bit about my healing journey so that people can get to know me a little bit more. And also like what I guess is that driving force behind what I do and the passion I have for helping others, but also just to set the tone for this podcast, because I really want the nest to be this safe place to come and have authentic, you know, down to earth, real conversations. Yeah. Just with other people and, and the guests that I'm going to have on, because we're all on a journey. We're all on a healing journey, whether we know it or not really, but to have people join me and have conversations about, you know, their journey and the wisdom that they've gained along the way. And, and I really think that that's how we all heal is by, you know, we're on our, we may be on our separate journeys, but we're by no means meant to heal alone because we come together and we share the wisdom that we've gleaned along the way. And that's how we all heal. We heal in community. And I got some really great friends and colleagues and family lined up to come on the show and, and share what I think is, you know, these nuggets of wisdom that are really, really meaningful. So yeah, so we're just going to kick it off, kick it off today with my journey. Start at the very beginning. Start at the very beginning. For those who've been following me for a while, you know that I have an autoimmune condition, psoriasis, and it's been, I think, my biggest teacher. It's been huge. It's kind of like the barometer of alignment for me, if I'm in alignment uh, or not. And um, really just been this, I don't know, just this beautiful way that my body and my intuition communicates to me and has taught me so, so much. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that today and the wisdom that I've gleaned so far from, from that and basically how it's informed and steered my life. And I thought who better to have joined me than my little sister, Elise, who has had a front row seat the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can hold me accountable. <laughs> She's watched it all unfold. So, yeah. So I guess like to start back from the beginning, when I was 17, 
between grade 11 and grade 12, I had like a really, it was a really busy summer. I was a track athlete and I had like a couple of really big competitions like Canada games. I threw discus and shot put and, you know, was really into power sports and I had that happening. And then I also had this big trip. I went overseas. Do you remember this? Do you remember how I went overseas when I was yeah. You went to like Prague or something? Yeah, we went to Prague, went to Czech Republic, we went to Poland. And I was with this singing group. I've, I've always sung. I've been like been on stage singing since I was three years old. And um, anyways, I, I, it was like a Christian singing group. And so I went away. So it was, yeah, it was a really busy summer, but loving it. It was great. Went over to to Europe and was singing and came back and I had had psoriasis before, like on my elbows. Yeah. I was going to say you had it at a young age. Yeah. Like all three of us girls got it at a young age. Yeah. So there's three girls. There's, I have two sisters and all of us have psoriasis or have had it at different times in our lives, but I had it, you know, a little bit on my elbows when I was 11 and then it kind of went away and it wasn't really like, it wasn't nothing compared to what was coming that summer when I was 17, but I went away to Poland and Czech Republic and came back. And I think what happened to be honest was uh, I was given antibiotics and I was given a couple of vaccinations and I'm pretty sure I had a vaccine injury. And that is, you know, my immune system, it affected my immune system in a way that I basically within a couple of weeks, I was covered head to toe with psoriasis. Mm -hmm. And when I say head to toe, I like literally mean I was covered head to toe. Yeah, like you remember, I had all over my face, all yeah. like I had all over my scalp, ears. Like I remember having it inside my ears. <laughs> like it was so brutal. My neck, my arms, my back, like everywhere. I had it everywhere. And mom and dad obviously were very concerned. Mom took me to dermatologist. Then I had like I started this like crazy regimen of like. Remember mom would take me. I remember every morning before she went to work to school and you went to school, she would take you into the hospital to have treatments and then bring you both back. She'd go to work, you'd go to school. Yeah. And so the treatments were like, I remember we'd get up at four 30 in the morning. She would drive me into Halifax. We were 40 minutes from Halifax from the hospital and I'd have to have a tar bath. Yes. Like bathe in tar pomade, which was so disgusting. And then I'd get out of the tar bath and then I'd step into this like UV machine. So I'd have UVB light. And I remember at first I could only handle a couple of seconds and you like build your way up, I think like to like 30 seconds or something. It was so strong. It's radiation, right? Like then that, and then I would stand, I'd have to stand like naked in front of these nurses and they would put like anthralin, this like cream that would thin the skin. Because psoriasis, for those who don't know what it is, it's an autoimmune condition where basically the skin cells reproduce. They don't really mature. They just like reproduce like 30 times faster than they're supposed to. And then what you get is like these, like a buildup of skin, um, skin cells. And it's like a plaque, it forms a plaque. And it's like, you know, they're red. Sometimes um, when there's a lot of skin buildup, it can look like a silvery patch. And there's different types of psoriasis, but I had plaque psoriasis. And anyways, So yeah, the nurses would put like this, like anthralin all over, like this cream all over it. And then powder me down with baby powder. I had to put on a nylon suit. It's like a sauna suit. And then I'd wear that under my clothes. So I'd put my clothes on and then on the, for the psoriasis on my face, I use like steroids and stuff and then go to school. (laughs) And then, yeah, wear the sauna suit, like under my clothes and everything until the next day. 
And that I did that like five days a week for months. That was like grade 12. That was like really hard on my self-esteem. I was going to say anything like that would be experience would be so humbling. Yeah, it was definitely humbling. And, but at the same time, mom, like our mother, who's always been a bit of a hippie. I love her. She decided that she was going to find something alternative because I think she just maybe was a bit uncomfortable with how intense the dermatology treatments were. And she went looking, she's like, there's gotta be something else. And so she found this guy. I don't even know. I don't remember his name. I don't know if he was a naturopathic doctor or he was a Chinese medicine doctor, but regardless, I know he did acupuncture. And anyway, so I went to go see him and I remember he was like my introduction, the first introduction to like an alternative practitioner. He did acupuncture and he did, um, he like, you know, put me on a a restrictive diet, like took away like gluten and dairy and some different things. So I was doing that kind of at the same time. And after about, I don't even know how long it was, but was it like four or five months, six months, something like that. I just remember I graduated with clear skin. Yeah. So by the spring, like through the winter is when I did the uh, treatments. And by the spring, my skin had cleared, but I look back now and I don't think it, I think I just like pushed the disease further inwards, Yeah. like really kind of manhandled, um, you know, didn't really get to the root cause. It was just trying to alleviate the symptoms, but I graduated with clear skin and kind of went about life, graduated and, you know, moved to England and went to school and did my thing. But it was in my, it was between my third and fourth year of university I did a lot of traveling in my undergrad. I spent my first year of university in England. And then I came back to Dalhousie University in Halifax in Canada and then went traveling again. I went to Australia for my third year of university and I had to have like 50% of my degree from one school. So then came back to Dalhousie to finish school. But it was that transition between third year and fourth year when I was in Australia, finishing my third year of university, I fell in love with this guy and um, really didn't want to leave Australia. I really loved it there. I had such a good time. And when I left to come back, I was heartbroken. And it was that emotional stress that triggered the psoriasis again. And within, I mean, again, like I remember, I remember talking about this in the car with you and mom, um, And it was, you know, I got home to Nova Scotia and then bam, within a month again, I was covered head to toe with psoriasis. And this time, you know, I was fourth year and I was pre-med and I was volunteering at the children's hospital, like in the emergency department. And I was, you know, working and doing a full course load at school. I, yeah, I was like really stressed. So there was a lot of stress. There was the emotional stress of, you know, having to, end a relationship that I really loved and then coming to back to school and having the stress of having to have really high marks and, you know, to get into med school and all of this sort of stuff. So by, yeah, I would say by October, I came home late August by October, I was covered with psoriasis again. And I went back to the same dermatologist in Halifax. And this time he was, they wanted to try a different treatment. They wanted to give me some different drugs. And I just remember that one of the side effects was infertility and an increase of skin cancer. I just remember thinking like, you know, that little voice, that wisdom, my intuition was like, 
I think this is a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think at the age because how old would I have been? 21, um, probably. Yeah. And uh, I just remember being like, I'm in my early 20s. Like, I, I like infertility, like, what? No. Uh, how is this going to affect me long term? But it just, my intuition was like, no, there's got to be a different way. Mm-hmm. Though I did take, I did use steroids. And I remember my roommate, Jillian, and, uh, and my friend, Ronnie, like putting again, like I would stand there in my underwear and they'd put steroids, like steroid mm-hmm. creams all over my <laughs> psoriasis plaques. But it was fucking miserable. It yeah. was so hard. And especially in the winter, well, you've had psoriasis too, you know, like it's just the plaques get dried out and, you know, they would crack and break open when I would move and they'd bleed. And it was just, it was really miserable. Not to mention like how it was affecting my like personal life. I just, I remember I had this guy that, you know, I was kind of having a relationship with and he was ashamed to see me, like to be seen with me in public. He said like, I don't want to be known as the guy that's dating the girl with the skin thing. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, who says that? So it's amazing. like, so, yeah. So again, it was just like this huge, it impacted my self-esteem and just, you know, the shame. It was yeah. brutal, but I don't know. Within that suffering, you know, as we'll talk about a little bit later, it was just, there was a lot of, of beauty and a lot of self-discovery that came from it. So I just remember it was midwinter. It was like January and yeah, it was kind of like at the peak of the psoriasis, like just feeling absolutely miserable, feeling depressed. I was drinking and smoking weed and like just, you know, doing what I needed to do to palliate. Meanwhile, <laughs> trying to get the marks and do all the things so that I would be accepted to med school and all of that. And um, I remember I took this elective. It was the first time it was offered at Dalhousie in the kinesiology department mm-hmm. called Mind Body Medicine. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. Sure. It has like medicine in the title. I'll take it because I'm (laughs) pre-med. And it just sounded interesting, right? So I decided to take it. And I had no idea that it was going to rock my paradigm of how I saw the body and how I saw medicine and in general. And so this is when I feel like, like, you know how hindsight is 2020, you can look back at your life and you can see different things, how they lined up. And you're like, oh my God, it was like, led you. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was something, there was like this guiding force that was like leading me through. And so there were a series of events that happened all within like two months that literally changed my life so drastically. So I, yeah, signed up for this course. I was really, really sick, really depressed. And then I happened to go like, I remember thinking I got to try something else for my skin. I found this, um, he was a, a TCM doctor, a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. And again, went back to the acupuncture and stuff. Cause remember I had done that the first time. And so, you know, tried to find some bun and I remember they did cupping and they had me on a special diet. I was taking all these Chinese herbs and it didn't really seem to do anything, but I just felt like I was doing something. So I should, you know, at least, you know, it was helping a little bit with the depression and, and I had some like digestive stuff happening that was helping with, but I didn't see any drastic relief with the skin, but I kept going. And again, cause it was new and I was taking this mind body medicine course and then, you know, going to see this Chinese medicine doctor and it was new and exciting, like ways of viewing the body and health. And, but the depression was really bad. And I remember um, it was March and I kind of hit rock bottom. Yeah. 
I'd like the stress of everything was catching up to me. Like just, you know, the pressure to have like straight A's and, you know, the volunteer hours and working and like all of that. Meanwhile, having this like chronic illness that was, you know, causing so much suffering and then the depression on top of it. And I remember one night being so, so just like, I don't know, I was on my knees. Yeah. And I prayed and I said, God, if you're real, like, get me the hell out of here. Like, help me. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a come to, what do they call They call it a come to Jesus moment. Like I was just like, God, if you're real. And we had always, I should say we grew up going to church Yeah, and you know, we were Baptist and all this sort of thing. And, um, and I had always kind of believed Mm -hmm. in a higher power, but I mean, I think you and I can be honest. It was more like dogmatic. It wasn't really I felt like and it was just kind of like programmed into you, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't really, there was a lot of, I feel, and I, for those who have had an amazing experience within the church, I, that's wonderful. I feel like growing up for us, there was, you know, the community part of it was lovely. um, But there was a lot of like fear and shame. (laughs) And Mm so it wasn't like, I, I don't feel like up until that point, I feel like I had always felt um, a spiritual connection to something, but hadn't really, I didn't have like a regular, like spiritual practice, let's just say, um, of like sitting and meditating and connecting with what I believe to be, you know, the divine, but anyway, so at this point, yeah, had kind of hit an all-time low. So just like at my wits, well, like at my wits end. And I was thinking about suicide, like, I kind of got to the point where I was like, I don't want to live like this and no one can help me except for like giving me these crazy, crazy ass drugs that are going to, you know, like some of them were chemotherapy drugs. And I just remember thinking there's gotta be another way. Cause again, I'm taking this mind body medicine course. That's teaching me Mm -hmm. that teaching me, teaching me a new paradigm. And what I mean by that is, you know, up until that point, especially because I was a science major and, you know, everything that I had learned up until that point was the body is, you know, to be dominated. It's like a machine and there's these yeah, different parts. Conventional. Yeah. It was this conventional paradigm of medicine of like the body's different parts. And, you know, you just like, <laughs> it was this very mechanic mechanistic view of, of the body. And yeah. this course was showing me like, no, this is like, you know, you treat the body as a whole mm-hmm. and the mind is very much connected. And it was, you know, shifting things for me in my view, opening me up. And I think also, you know, working with this Chinese medicine doctor, there was, you know, again, just being like, well, what do you mean using herbs? Like what do, what do herbs do? And like acupuncture has acupuncture work, just this idea of like energetic medicine and like, you know, what is chi? Like, oh, we can move and manipulate chi. Like, is that just a whole bunch of bullshit? Like, is that, (laughs) is that real? So it was, you know, it was opening up my mind to these different ideas and ways of viewing myself and, and the body and, and illness. And um, yeah, and, but I reached this point where I was at my lowest and offered up this prayer, just being like, if, you know, if you're real and help me out, like get me out of here, help me with this suffering. And that is when everything changed. There was this gentleman who was part of our church growing up who uh, really, I guess he believed in me and my voice and like 
loved my singing and he had like put me into audition for this gospel singing group in California. And, you know, I was like, sure. I, so they called me and I did like my audition over the phone and I yeah. was like, what kind of like Cracker Jack thing is this? Like, this is so strange, but I got accepted and I left and I went to California. Like I didn't even go to my graduation. I mean, I finished school um, and I was out of there as fast as I could. Not that school was horrible, but just, I thought I, it was an escape and yeah. I wasn't really, I had no idea how much it was going to change my life. And I also, it wasn't about, you know, I don't know. I just needed an out and it gave me an out and it gave me, it took away the pressure. This, it alleviated all this pressure of like having to be perfect. Yeah. You know, with school and the marks and all these things. Anyway. So I found myself within like two months, I found myself in California with all of these crazy Christian people. (laughs) 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 And it was like, And you can imagine I was so, I was so negative at the time. Like I was like so depressed and I'd been like, like drinking, like binge drinking and smoking, smoking weed. And and I show up and I had like, I quit everything cold Turkey and I'm around all these people who are so super sunny and positive. And they're just like, yay. And I was like, oh my God, I felt like Eeyore with this like big dark cloud. (laughs) I was just like, oh my God, what am I doing? Why am I here? This is like so corny and cheesy. And anyways, but it was, the group was really interesting. They were, it was ecumenical. So there was, you know, people from all different, you know, whether it was like Catholic or Baptist or Lutheran, Pentecostal, yeah, yeah all different Christian denominations. And, um, and that was really interesting. There was a freedom in that. And there was, you know, this acceptance of like, just come as you are. And, uh, and also I could just sing every day. And so I remember like, we'd, we'd be up on stage. So we, we had like rehearsal camp for a couple of weeks. And again, I'm covered head to toe with psoriasis and I'm having to get up on stage and sing in front of people. And I remember Bubba, he was like, this guy from Texas talking about him. Yeah. Yeah, And he like, we went out and he was like helping me find like stage makeup and like all this sort of stuff. And I, this is the first time they like put hair extensions because I had lost so much of my hair. And so I like, he helped me like get these hair extensions from Sally beauty supply, (laughs) like all of this stuff. And I had like, I looked like a Barbie doll (laughs) and um, it was so ridiculous, but yeah. Like I had, we all had our out matching outfits and yeah. I was one of eight singers and we had an orchestra. It was like this huge production and uh, yeah, we went on tour for months and um, traveling around the U S we had like a big tour bus and traveled across the U S like several times and then went overseas. We went to like Portugal and the Azores and, and South Korea, like all these different places. But anyway, so from May to July, when I was with this singing group, I was still covered with psoriasis. And, um, but in the meantime, I started getting all these books on like health and well-being, and trying to, you know, just kind of, again, understand health. And like, I mean, I was still very much interested in being a doctor. I was still very much interested in health and it was motivated mainly from my own suffering, to be honest, of how can I alleviate my own suffering? 
I didn't even know at this point that like Dr. Heal thyself was a tenant of medicine. I was just, that was like my motivating. Like I just wanted to alleviate my pain. And I remember it was in South Korea. We did some crazy things in South Korea. Like we sang at the DMZ, like the demilitarized zone between South and North Korea, like for the U S troops. That was a crazy experience. Yeah, a really crazy experience. I got to step into North Korea, like through, like, they had this like house that like straddles the border and with like a big table and you could like go and there were guards on both sides and they would like, you know, be standing there with their like hardcore AK 47s as you like walk around the table um, to say that you stepped into North Korea. Uh, And then we also like, we sang at um, an asylum. That was crazy, that experience. And then at a leper colony. And that is where it changed. There was something that shifted inside of me when I was singing at a leper colony, because that was, I'm going to try not to cry. That was, it just, that was how I felt. I felt like I was a leper, you know, like this whole time. And then to sing, uh, to, you know, to sing in front of uh, people who were suffering immensely. Yeah with such a visible illness uh, and to stand in front of them and sing of love and compassion and grace, something shifted inside of me. And I remember I had to give like part of the concert was we would, you know, we'd sing these like gospel songs and then people would stand up and give like a testimony of, yeah. you know, their faith. And of course I was chosen <laughs> to just give a testimony yeah. about my psoriasis. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like, how am I going to do this? Yeah. But yeah, like standing there and I just, I don't even know if I can put words to it, but just standing there in front of people who knew what it was like. Yeah. Uh, and even more so because arguably leprosy is yeah. so yeah. much more destructive and painful. Um But yeah, I don't know. It was something shifted and I just felt this love and grace and compassion flood into my body. And then two weeks later, my skin was completely cleared. Yeah. No drugs, no change of my diet. I mean, yeah, I think I had like, was like experimenting with some stuff, like maybe taking, but like nothing that would have made that much of an impact. And I remember like we came home from Korea and we were in Canada actually on tour and um, it was between Korea and when we got to Canada. Cause I remember by the time, cause remember I came home and we did a concert saying at our church. Yeah. Yeah. And we did a concert and I was on stage with clear skin. And I remember everybody being like, this is a miracle. Like yeah, how yeah. did you, cause they knew they had seen me, yeah. you know, even mom and dad, I think were just so like, what? Like, yeah. It was crazy. My skin, like I went from, I wish I could show the people listening photos, (laughs) like just, you know, the, like all over my face, I'd lost so much of my hair, like all of this. And then to be standing there in front of everybody completely like with newborn skin, it was nothing short than miraculous. Like it was really, and so that healing changed that it just changed everything for me because suddenly I was like, what the hell happened? Yeah. It again, like I had been, it was like one of those events that was like a life altering event. That's like, you know, but there were these events beforehand, you know, taking that mind body medicine course and Mm -hmm. 
going to see different practitioners and and then you know going praying and my prayers being answered and my life changing so dramatically I was like holy shit I really don't understand this and I need to I need to go I need to understand this I need to go explore this um I can't go into conventional medicine and have people in front of me with psoriasis and give them all the things that didn't work for me if I had this crazy miraculous healing like I need to go explore this and so I did I remember like I left celebrants after I was with them for like 10 months traveling and singing and then I was like I abandoned my plans to go to conventional med school and set off trying to explore spirituality and health that was like my new thing I'm like I need to understand this yeah and so I went and did a master's um in theology and uh, I was in Toronto at McMaster University and yeah like I I was exploring like mainly within you know um like Christian theology and trying to understand like trying to understand like God and and all of these things and um it was during that time you know I had gotten married to my ex-husband, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got married <laughs> to someone I shouldn't have. And, but anyways, that he was really hardcore religious and being married to him afforded me some opportunities and like being in that, like really heavily involved in the church. Yeah. I mean, it had its place. Yeah, it definitely did. And it was like, you know, I look back at it and it, it had to happen, but Anyways, the point is, is that we had this opportunity to go to Rwanda and do some work. And I was doing my thesis, my master's thesis. I wanted to do a deep dive into reconciliation and what better place than like Rwanda, where there were, you know, these programs happening, reconciliation programs after the Rwandan genocide. And I had a a colleague, like a friend who had survived the genocide. We were the same age you know, she had watched her family be killed and had survived this, like, no, absolutely. I don't even know if you can put words to those experiences, but think of a word and I was like, nothing would really do it justice. And so she was from Rwanda, but working in Toronto, Canada. And she came over with us. She was working for world vision at the time and they were doing some um, projects there. And so she came and she was a bit of a guide And so we toured around the country and we're just, you know, taken into these places. Like we were taken into places. I can't even describe it. Like we, we would go into a church that still had all of the bullet holes in the ceiling where they would like put people, like the people would go to the church because they would assume that that's where they could go for safety. Yeah. And then for those of you who don't know, like the Rwandan genocide was like, it was between two peoples, like the Hutu Uh, Hutus and the Tutsis and it was just horrific you know you can go read more online so we went to these different venues like this church with the bullet holes in the ceiling and there's still like skeletal remains scattered all around the building like inside the building and they would lock people in in the church and then stand on the roof with you you know machine guns and or you know kill people with machetes like it was just it was horrific and so I'm telling you this because there were these crazy horrific things that had happened and meanwhile there was this campaign for reconciliation that was happening in the country 
and bringing people out of jail and having the families of those that they had killed come together and they would have these like courts on the grass. And it was, you know, part of this campaign of reconciliation and helping to bring healing to the country who had experienced such horrific stress, like just horrific things. And I remember thinking like, how do you forgive someone for that? Like, yeah, you know, someone was telling me this story. It was a young woman who worked at this one church and where her family, like she was high, she hid in the ditch. She yeah. hid in the ditch with her little brother and watched as her family, the rest of her family among, you know, with all these other people were locked inside this church and murdered. Yeah. And now she works there. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, there's like crypts of bones in, in the back, like behind the church. And like, that's where she worked. And I remember walking around with her and she was like telling me this story. And I just think, how do you heal from this? Like, how did you heal from that? Yeah. And it was really fascinating to me and to watch what was happening and like how do you go from this like as someone who had you know not just those who had lost loved ones and the suffering from that and the trauma that they had experienced but then also how do you rehabilitate as someone who's done those things yeah right and then how do you bring those people together that's like crazy and so um watching all of this and, and learning. And I just thought, you know, reconciliation, this healing and this, there was this, um, like this concept that I remember we went to, um, we went to this one place. It was, it was a garbage dump Mm -hmm. at the time, you know, in 1994. And when the genocide was happening, it was a garbage dump. And that is where they ended up dumping a lot of the bodies like talk about disrespectful right and to the dead now it's a beautiful cemetery that they've you know went in and and converted but and over the arch of the entryway was this saying it was in Swahili but the translation was if you knew who you were and you knew who I was you would not have killed me yeah and I wrote you know, my master's thesis pretty much about that statement, because it was, if you knew who I was, if you, if you knew that I was, you know, this, like a divine being having a human experience, and that we were both connected, and you saw yourself, you know, you really knew who you were, you saw yourself as this beautiful divine being, then you would never have killed me, you wouldn't have done that. And this is like, we, we become separated from our humanity. And that's the only way we can do these horrible things is when we lose who we are and we forget who's like, cause if you know yourself, if you're angry and pissed off at somebody, like whether it's someone random person that cuts you off in traffic or isn't a a jerk to you in lineup, or even someone (laughs) that you love dearly, like your family member, whatever, if you can see past your anger and see their humanity immediately, you know, grace and compassion comes in and, so I, I, I think of the, you know, the word namaste that we use often in the yoga community. And what does that mean? Namaste means the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, that statement just really, again, it was another one of those like pivotal moments where I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah. this is really about like this healing that's happening. It's about this recognition of of the divine 
within each other and that we're connected and yes, moving through all the anger and the pain and all of that, but seeing through to our humanity and this idea of loving someone back to wholeness mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like moving from those lower level vibrations of like fear and hatred uh, and shame mm-hmm. and, you know, to higher vibrations of joy and love and, and yeah. grace, compassion. And so watching this healing take place in a larger, like macro level within the community got me thinking about healing within us, yes, within ourselves. And again, like, remember, I'm on a quest to learn about healing. Like, what was it that happened to me on that stage in South yeah. Korea? Yeah, like, was yeah. that a moment? Like, did I like love a part of me back mm-hmm. to myself? Yeah. Um, in that moment, you know, like when I'm amongst people with leprosy amongst people who are suffering from mental illness, like all these things. Anyways, I was thinking about this concept of like this remembering and, you know, these parts of ourselves that we have forgotten or, you know, are stuck in fear are stuck in hatred or stuck in, you know, shame. And, you know, this idea of reconciliation of self mm-hmm. and that kind of that idea or that concept really dominated a lot of my life uh, and my study, like basically us having this conversation about that. What's that? Self. It really spurred on your like thesis and everything, right? It did. It like basically dominated my master's degree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I would, it, it, yeah, it was a really big deal. And it was, I don't know. It just kind of set the course again. And, but at the same time, uh, and, and I had, you know, a little bit of psoriasis that was kind of starting to set back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not like my pursuit of healing didn't stop. Like it just kept, it was, I don't know. There was like this drive and this hunger within me. Like I, I just needed to know, I needed to know. And then, um, you know, just what was happening in my personal life at the time, like I had said before, I had married someone I really shouldn't have ended up really sad and depressed again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the psoriasis started back and I got to a point where, again, I was like so low and just thinking, you know, what, what did I do? Why am I here? (laughs) And, uh, you know, I graduated with my master's degree. I had worked as a pastor for a little bit, uh, you know, like writing sermons. And again, like I was, I was just, and and I would have people come see me for, you know, counseling when I was working as a pastor and like, like really loving that work. Um, And, but I would always want to like prescribe fish oil or like, because again, in my personal life, like study and continue to study like alternative medicine and like read books like Christian Northrup's Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, Larry Dossie's books on reinventing medicine. There were some really, there was one, you know, uh, negatives, all about negative emotions and how it affected our health. Like I was doing a lot of Mm self-study and then my formal study with my master's degree and just trying to, again, to understand like, how does all this work? Like mind, body, soul, because conventional medicine was only focusing on body Mm -hmm. and there was the field of mind, body medicine was really emerging um, and, but no one was really talking about spirituality and health yeah. uh, at the time that I knew of. Um, and, 
and again, like the context that I was in was just, it was the church. And at some point I remember in my master's degree, I took, there were two courses aside from when the study that I did in Rwanda, but two courses that really, again, were pivotal. Mm -hmm. One was the theology of suffering. And that was an absolutely fascinating course, um, you know, to go in and to talk about suffering um, freely and to dive in and explore it. And it was, I guess, the main learning that I took away from that was that it's in suffering that we, um, you know, like so much in society, we avoid pain. Mm-hmm. Like we're yeah. so afraid of pain. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, if you have the slightest ache or pain, you need to take something for it or even like emotional pain. It's like, you just don't want to feel it. So like, give me something, give me anything. I'll shop, I'll have sex, I'll drink, I'll, you know, do whatever, go online, like get on Instagram, like just we've pain and learning. What's that? Instead of sitting in your pain and learning, you people are avoiding it. Yeah. We avoid pain, like the plague, like it's, and, but it's also been this, um, it's like a culturally accepted ideology of like, just let's avoid pain at all costs. Pain is bad. Yeah. And this theology of suffering course, I remember it was actually theology or suffering is a part of life. It was kind of like almost a bit Buddhist in some ways of like suffering is inescapable and it's in our suffering that we learn so much about ourselves and, and that's where the healing is. So the more that you avoid your suffering, the more you're just going to prolong it. (laughs) That's the irony, right? Versus that if you go into your suffering and explore it and like, what does it have to say? What is the, what is it here to teach me? What is, you know, what is the lesson? What is the, you know, what is it within there um, that life is trying to teach me? Then, you know, that's one of the the beauties, I guess, of suffering, if you can even say that. That course was really pivotal. And then the psychology of religion course was also really amazing. And so it was, yeah, I had graduated with my master's and started naturopathic school right away. And I remember the reason why, and the reason I even found out about naturopathic medicine was when I was finishing my master's degree, again, I was depressed and my psoriasis was coming back. And I went looking for an alternative practitioner again, uh, thinking, oh, okay, you know, here I had had this miraculous experience, but now it's coming back. Uh oh, what's happening? I found a really amazing naturopathic doctor. She was just lovely, and Dr. Yvonne Stiles. And she, I was working with her, and just so much, you know, she was teaching me so much through treating me. Mm-hmm. And I thought one day I was sitting there and I thought there's got to be a profession out there where I can take, <laughs> you know, my interest in spirituality and my interest in like psychology and then the physical body and like bring it all together. Yeah. And I was sitting one day in an appointment with her and I was just like, uh, yeah, this, like yeah, I yeah. should be doing, I should be a naturopathic doctor. And so I applied and, you know, got accepted and went about that but at the same time you know like in my personal life in my relationship with my husband it was rapidly deteriorating because I didn't I didn't love him I married him because I thought that's what I was supposed to do and I know that might sound so stupid to some people but it's just you know the circumstances were such and at that time and I yeah I married him and I shouldn't have and um 
I remember it was, what were you going to say? Nothing. I was just saying. You guys all knew I shouldn't have married him. I remember dad. Do you remember dad? Um, Cause you and Jocelyn were my. Walk you down the aisle. And he's like, yeah. Okay. This is your last chance. <laughs> we were about, I was ser- I was in my wedding dress <laughs> standing there about, we, we had um, our wedding at this big hotel ballroom. And I remember I'm, standing outside the ballroom with dad you and the other bridesmaids had already gone in yeah the heart music is playing and all of this and I'm standing there holding my bouquet and dad has one of my arms and he looks at me and he's like it's not too late we could just go right now because <laughs> <laughs> he knew he knew yeah. and many you know and my close friends knew they were just like ah oh, what are you doing no, but- he- nice guy and everything he's a nice man but he just wasn't for you but I mean I think he was necessary that whole episode was necessary yeah it was necessary it was again another one of these things that you know we have these lessons in life and we have these things that we I I think I see it as like we have a soul curriculum and our soul is here to do certain things and learn certain things and I feel I really feel like that that was like burning off karma from a previous life. That was like stuff. If, you know, maybe those listening don't believe in that and that's fine. But for me, it was like, that was something that I needed to just, I needed to go through and, and move through mm-hmm. and, and work through, but uh, for my soul and, and my journey, but, um, and a big part of it was, I think finding the courage to blow up my life because yeah. that I remember sitting on the subway was coming back it was like my first year of or was I in second year I can't remember I think it was second year of naturopathic medicine it was exams mm-hmm. like we were going through exams and exam like anyone any naturopathic doctors out there listening to this you know like exam periods or anyone who's just taken like really intense course loads you know in exam time like you you get game face on like you go in and it's like like I like I we would joke around like we'd go into the bubble yeah and it's like the world outside doesn't exist. And then as soon as you're done writing your last exam, you like your whole body, like you feel this relief and you're like, oh yeah, there's a life. That's there's sun. Yeah. There's a sun. <laughs> there's a life beyond school. Um, but yeah, I remember sitting, I had just written, I was in the middle of exams. Like what a crazy time to do this. I was in the middle of my winter exams, like Christmas exams. And I remember sitting on the subway and I was listening to something and all of a sudden I hear the voice, you know, like your intuition. And it was like, you got to leave them. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, I couldn't do that. I can't do that. I can't blow up my life. Because the way that you were, you were taught and you grew up, it's just like practically getting a divorce would be like ending your life. Yeah. Like divorce is a sin. And it's like, you know, all of this stuff. And I remember thinking, oh my God. And also I was a people pleaser. Yeah. So the idea of, you know, divorcing someone and disappointing and hurting so many people, I was like, I like, oh my gosh, like, I think I would die, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't stay. I had to go. And, um, and so I did, I, I blew up my life. And I remember Elizabeth Gilbert's like eat, pray, love was out around that time. And, um, there was like the movie, like I had read the book and like all of this. And I remember there was the movie with, uh, what was her name? Julia Roberts. Yeah. And there was a scene of her crying in the bathroom and like this whole thing of she, she also was in a marriage. She was unhappy and, and wanted to leave for no other reason other than the fact that she was unhappy. 
And like how that was like, just not, that's just not a reason why you do those things. Um, you know, there has to be, you know, like, you know, have to be being beaten or something horrible. And, um, and I just remember thinking like, my happiness is reason enough. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, just feeling like, oh my God, I'm such a horrible person. And, and, you know, I'm so incredibly self-centered and like all of these things. And I was just like, no, if I stay here, I'm going to die. Cause the psoriasis was back hardcore at that point, like all over my torso. And, um, and that was the message that was coming through. Like if I tuned into my body and I was like, what's going on? Like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, what is, what is the dis-ease that's like, you know, the message that's trying to come through. And it was like, I'm so out of alignment in this, with this relationship and I need to leave. And so I summoned the courage and I blew up my life and I left and I I lost a lot. I lost a lot of friends. It was really brutal. And I'm sad that, you know, my actions hurt people, but I had to leave. And then, you know, a couple years ensued of like trying to find myself again and like, I realized I also left the church at the same time. It was like, I left him and I left the church and cause, and it's not that I, I mean, I believe in God. I have a very strong faith, but it was more the ideology and the dogma and these things, everything that I felt like was keeping me oppressed. And there was so much about that marriage and so much about the particular church that I was a part of and the dogma and like all of these things that were just keeping me like it was suppressive, like oppressive and just, I needed out. Uh, mm-hmm. I was suffocating. And, and so I left, it was crazy how my body responded. Like my skin healed. I dropped weight. I was like, just, it was like, I was being liberated. It was like this great emancipation yeah. that had happened and doesn't mean it was easy. It was hard as hell at times. And I remember, you know, I was really nervous how our family would respond, but everyone was, I was shocked when you know especially mom told me how proud of me she was yeah even our grandmother I remember like sitting with Oma and thinking oh my god I'm gonna get the lecture (laughs) and she was just like good for you yeah (laughs) it's like oh my gosh really (laughs) uh everyone was you know my family was so supportive and my friends like the real friends that had been there from the start who you know knew that this wasn't a good idea like everyone was just like welcome back yeah. Welcome yeah. back. Like, I remember Anthony, like our older brother saying to me, this is before the divorce, but you know, when I was still kind of in the marriage and I remember him looking at me once and just being like, I don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. And that was really, you know, I had just yeah. strayed so far from I myself. I mean, because I think I was in university at the time. I mean, I was a teenager when you married Bryce, but around the time of your divorce, I was my first or second year of university, maybe. Yep. And I started dating Jacob, who people know now as my husband. But like, just to talk to you about like sex or something, I couldn't talk to you about it because like, you know, you were married to Bryce and you guys were pastors and it was like sinful, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, that was a huge part. And we'll do a whole other episode on this. But like, I think that was a huge. It was, it's too much to go into in this right now. But there was so much. And when I talk about suppression, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like my own sexuality. I'm talking about like, there was so it was this idea of like sin and, you know, shame and like being a bad person and, 
and you know like god forbid you enjoy sex because as a woman that's like you know yeah that's sinful lust is a sin and like all of this sort of stuff and it was just it really fucked me up like it and so I just assumed that I wasn't supposed to like enjoy intimacy, you know, all of these things. And then here I am, like the prime of my life, <laughs> like, you know, I'm dying. 27 years old and I have no sex drive and I'm, you know, not have no desire for my husband. And I'm like, this is not right. <laughs> this is not how it's supposed to be. And yeah, but just having the courage to be like, uh, I'm out. I, and these themes too, of like authenticity and emerging into your authentic self and all that, like those themes were huge in my twenties because I remember this, like when I was like mid twenties, like 25, 26, um, I started this like women's group called emerge and it was, you know, getting women together. We would have these events. My friend Alana um, helped me. She was, uh, still is a, a chaplain and so we would get together and like have these like beautiful women's events and we would talk about sexuality and we would talk about eating disorders. And, you know, I had an eating disorder since, you know, I was a teenager, I was bulimic and which again, we'll talk about another time, but it was, you know, I was do I was um, in therapy for, for those things, you know, yeah. like for eating disorder and stuff that was all kind of happening in the background, but just really wrestling. And I remember like taking this, you know, talking a lot about biblical equality and like, you know, women's rights and, yeah. and all of that. And I feel like so much of that marriage and like that time was all about just like working out all of this conditioning, this false conditioning and these false beliefs that were like keeping me oppressed and, and uh, keeping me from emerging into my authentic self, right. From being keeping me from being in alignment. So anyways, fast forward, uh, yeah, I was divorced, newly divorced. I remember I was like 30, my 30th birthday. I was like single and doing my thing. And, uh, my skin was like healing and I was finding this, all these parts of myself that, um, you know, going back to this idea of reconciliation of self, there were these parts of me that were stuck in fear and shame. And I was loving them back into wholeness, loving them back to myself. And then I was kind of loving life and doing my thing and at school and it was great. And then a couple of years later, I, I met Mark, who is my husband now and fell fast and hard. And we just, you know, from the moment we met, it was amazing. And then we got married and we had Odin, who's our son. And then I graduated from naturopathic school. I remember I was really pregnant and like walking across the stage, getting my diploma with this enormous belly and wrote my, uh, board exams, eight months pregnant, gave birth, went and wrote the board exams again, went into practice with this newborn, uh, my friend at the time who became my business partner, who had, you know, crazy work ethic. I also had a really intense work ethic. We were just determined to like build this big practice and we didn't have a physical brick and mortar practice, but we had, we called it concierge medicine where we were pretty much online from the start. I've always been online, um, with patients and anyways, uh, you know, she was really intense and, uh, you know, didn't have a child and wasn't married and would get up at five and work till 11 uh, yeah, at yeah. night, like five in the morning to 11 at night, like just really, you know, cause again, she was really motivated and, 
And as a new mom, I had postpartum depression and they didn't like know until a friend of mine, close friend was just like, Hey, <laughs> like, are you okay? Yeah. And so I, you know, was getting treatment from my naturopathic doctor uh, for that. But it was, I remember Odin was four months old and I had just written boards and I was, you know, doing all this work and trying to get, you know, the, the business off the ground and yeah. the psoriasis started back. And I was like, no, not again. (laughs) And um, I didn't listen at all because I was determined that I was going to keep up with my business partner. And I was, I had this vision of like, my ego had a vision of what I needed to do and what I needed to be. And I needed to be this new mom that could drop her baby weight like that. And I could, you know, work like crazy and like all of these things and I could be and do it all. And um wasn't listening to my body and ended up again covered with psoriasis not as bad as it had been in the past but you know pretty bad and meanwhile my adrenals were taking a beating I was probably severely malnourished Mm -hmm. uh, even though I was you know doing the green smoothies and all that sort of stuff I wasn't giving my body what it needed Um, and then I remember it was Odin's second birthday and the heart palpitations, like I started having these, like, yeah, started having like an arrhythmia, um, this irregular heartbeat. I was just ignoring it. It wouldn't go away. One night I remember laying on the sofa and Odin's like playing around me and I'm waiting for Mark to get home. He had been away on a business trip. He's coming home from Montreal. And I remember feeling like an elephant was sitting on my chest and I had pain radiating up to my jaw and just thinking, Oh my God, am I having a heart attack? Yeah. And both of our parents have had heart attacks. They're still living. Thank goodness. Um, but you know, heart disease is big in our family. And I thought, Oh my God. And I remember calling, I was like, I'll just call like 911 just to talk to the nurse and just kind of like, you know, or talk to the attendant and just find out like, cause I'm sitting there with my child thinking it's like, this is not an anxiety attack. Like what is happening to me? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I called 911 and I remember going through and talking to the attendant and, and, and she was like, we're sending EMS now. And I was like, no, 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 that's okay. And she's like, no, an ambulance is coming. I was like, oh my God. And, um, and they came and they packed me up into the ambulance. And I just remembered that again was another one of those defining moments because I was looking at my child, like my two-year-old who's watching his mom being loaded into an ambulance. And, you know, Mark is just arriving home, getting out of a cab. There's an ambulance out front of our house. He's just like, what the hell is going on? And I was carted off to emerge and, you know, checked out. And I remember, thankfully I didn't have a heart attack, but I was having, you know, like major cardiac distress and I remember, you know, I had to go see a cardiologist and I remember sitting in his office and he was scolding me and he was just like, he, he had a script pad and he was just like, I could write you a prescription. I could give you meds. And he's like, I could, you know, put a halter monitor on you. I could do all of these things. And he's like, but he's like, you and I both know what you need to do. He's like, you're a naturopathic doctor. He's like, I shouldn't even like, we shouldn't even be having this discussion. Like you're sitting in the waiting room with people in their seventies and eighties. 
He's like, what, what's, you know, come on. And so, <clears throat> yeah, like it was one of those moments where he was like, you know what you have to do. Yeah. And so I remember when I was cleared to travel, I took off and went to Turks and Caicos. Yeah. By myself for nine days. I said to Mark, I'm like, I gotta, I just gotta get out, get away and clear my head. And so I sat on the beach um, for nine days and <laughs> felt sorry for myself, <laughs> looked at the ocean and was just like, what, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. what am I, I have to change my life because I'm driving myself into an early grave. Uh, my heart is like, my body literally was screaming at me. It's like, yeah. if you're not going to listen, being covered with psoriasis again, yeah. then, okay, we're up in the ante we're going to, it's like your heart, it's going to be your heart, like, come on. And it was, again, my body screaming, just being like, Hey, wrong way. You're out of alignment. Um, and so it was like, kind of like sitting on the subway when I knew I had to leave my ex. So yeah. I was sitting there, I was like, I got to leave the business. Yeah. Uh, it was in many ways, a toxic relationship between myself and my business partner. And there were a lot of things that weren't okay. And I was not living in a way that was taking care of myself because I was too busy trying to please her and keep up with this image and all of these things. And so I was like, okay, well, so I got to do it. And I remember I was in Miami. I had to stop over in Miami on my way home. Yeah. And I remember there was, um, oh man, I almost should grab the book off my bookshelf, but I remember I was standing in this bookstore and I was like, I was having a wave of anxiety. Cause I'm like, Holy shit, I have to go home and I have to blow up my life again. <laughs> like I have to, you know, I'm going to disappoint people and I don't know how this is going to go and it could go like, okay. Or it could be like, blah. Yeah. And, um, this book and I, I, again, a prayer, right? Like I'm standing there and I'm praying and I'm just like, God, I need strength. Like, please, like, is this the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And this book like falls off the bookshelf beside me. And I remember I picked it up and it was Jennifer Lopez's uh, book <laughs> called true love. And like, yeah, I yeah. love JLo. She's great, but it wasn't like, I mean, you know, it what like some self-help book, you know what I mean? Like written by, yeah. I was like, so, and I, I, I pick it up and it had fallen so that it like splayed open. And when I picked it up, this was what was written on the page. It's a quote by Charlie Chaplin. As I began to love myself, I quit. Or was it? No, wait. As I began to love myself, I freed myself of anything that is no good for me. Um, food, people, things, situations, anything that drew me down and away from myself. At first I called this attitude a healthy egoism. Today, I know it is love of oneself. And I just remember I like read that over and over and over again, like this, I bought the book, right? Yeah. I bought the book and I sat on the plane on the flight home, just reading the quote over and over again. It was like, you know, I, anything that drew me down and away from myself and I freed myself of anything that drew me down and away from myself. And I just remember over and over again, thinking, yeah, this is what I got to do. And that was like my message from the divine being like, it was like this cosmic nod of like, yep, you're, you're going in the right direction. And so I went home and I blew up my life again and, you know, it wasn't easy. And again, they disappointed people. And, um, I think of this chapter of this book, it's on self-love. I forget the name of it, but it's by Cheryl Richardson. And she has a whole chapter and the chapter is called, let me disappoint you. Mm -hmm. And 
and, you know, it's this, you know, what are the lengths sometimes that we'll go to because we're so afraid to disappoint someone, you know, like this, like what we'll do to please others and how we, you know, we will sabotage ourselves or, you know, abandon ourselves in the process. And so I, that's what I had done. I had abandoned myself and my body was screaming at me, you know, the clinic folded and all of these things, but I kept patience. I kept my own practice and and moved forward. And then we ended up moving to Turks, but a a year and a half uh, later after that, you know, Mm -hmm. trip of um, where I realized what I had to do and had to change my life again. Um, And I did, I I radically changed my life. I, you know, did a deep dive into um, self-love and that, I think that was where, and also I had always had these things. I'd always had like these synchronicities that had happened in my life, like all along, I would say from like the moment was celebrants, like when I was with that singing group Yeah. from then, like, that was when I really started to notice it. Um, And there would be these like cosmic nods, these like synchronicities of whether it was like, you know, seeing 1111 at a certain time or books that would fall off a shelf or a serendipitous meeting with somebody or, you know, a book that I would hear about on like Oprah or something. And then someone would be reading it on the subway and then someone would mention it to me. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I must be meant to read that book. And I felt like all along the universe, God, the divine, whatever you want to call it, your higher self, like my higher self, like it was my soul. It was guiding and leading me and leading me along this healing journey and just showing me like, okay, now this, now I want you to read about this. And now we're going to do this. And it was, I look back over the last 20 years of my life, especially, and I can see the divine had like, you know, just woven through all of these really beautiful moments of guidance and things that had happened um, that that strengthens my faith more than anything, because I know I've always been held even in the darkest and like craziest moments I've been held and I've been led through it. And yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, there's been so much and I'm still on my journey. I mean, there's, you know, we came here to Turks and there's been more since that's happened and we'll get into that in part two, (laughs) but um, you know, I'm going through another healing journey or another healing crisis or whatever at the moment. And, and I don't think it ever ends, but the point is, is that I feel like there's this cosmic divine force that's leading us through and our soul has the wisdom my intuition always led me through. Yeah. It never let me down. And I always had this, there's always been this force of grace and compassion and love that has held me and, you know, guided me through. And one of the things I've become so interested in, especially over the last 10 years is the idea of, you know, consciousness and uh you know this is the whole field of mind body medicine and neuroplasticity and changing our brains and how when we change our thoughts you know our whole lives change our bodies change our cells respond and you know that all goes back to what happened to me on that stage in in south korea when i had that moment of allowing love in i don't know where to go (laughs) after all of that (laughs) 
but you know, you're still on your journey. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of like a never ending process. Yeah. It's a continual evolution of self, right? Like we're on this journey of becoming and we don't ever arrive. Um, we're just in this constant evolution. And I feel like, but, but that said, there are these moments, like we'll have mountaintops, right? Yeah, like yeah. we'll have these, yeah, there's mountains like you're, it's like little phases, you, you're healing of healing those little phases. And then you kind of like move on, you know, like, yeah, it's the hero's journey, right? It's like Joseph Campbell. I found Joseph Campbell's work in my early thirties and his work really changed my life mainly because I, I found his work and I was like, Oh my God, this is what I thought all along. Like I remember writing about this in my master's thesis, like, you know, I called it, I called it a map of soul growth and I had written it out. And, and then I found Joseph Campbell, for those who don't know, he was a mythologist and he studied story and he, you know, studied all of the great myths and stories of our time. And he found, you know, of all different um, cultures and whatever. And he found that in all these stories, there's really just one story. And that story is the hero's journey. That's what he coined it. And it's this story of like, you know, going from <clears throat> the known into the unknown and going on this adventure of self-discovery and going into the abyss and duking it out with the dragons, AKA our greatest fears. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, like when we have the courage to go into our pain and our suffering and face the things that scare us the most on the other side of that, we find this, you know, like we're like the Phoenix reborn. We find, um, you know, this new wisdom and we have this transformation and, and we come out the other side, uh, a new person and we then return, you know, we return to the village, (laughs) you know, with like we've pulled the sword out of the stone or we've found the ring, like, or whatever it is, you know, we return to the the village. We return to the known with this like changed perception, this changed wisdom. Yeah. This new wisdom. And that framework of the hero's journey is the basis for all of like, they use it in Hollywood for all of the story. Like, you know, like if you think of Lord of the Rings, if you think of Harry Potter, if you think of, Star Wars, like they all have any that. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any, you know, any movie really. And, but that it, it's the, it's the story of what it's like to be human. Yeah. And, you know, when we have the courage to see illness or tragedy or, or anything as an opportunity for self-discovery and transformation, uh, when we seize and s- the opportunity and say yes to life, like it's this process of death and rebirth that happens. And that is how we grow. And it's the universal human experience. And so um, I'm fascinated by that. And I think that that offers people so much hope, especially when they're in a season of suffering, when they're in, they find themselves in an abyss or they find themselves at, you know, receiving the call. Like I got the call many times in my life. There were times where I ignored it. Like when my, you know, uh, I was thinking specifically about when I was, you know, killing myself, trying to be everybody's everything, you know, new mom and doing all my work at, and like at the clinic and blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, my, I wouldn't listen when my body was becoming more and more covered with plaque psoriasis. So then my heart was like, oh, okay, well, that was a call. That was a call to adventure. Like those heart palpitations, like, 
yeah. that was the call. Um, and then I, I listened or, you know, for some people it might be, you know, it might be divorce. It might be the loss of someone they love. It might be illness. It like, it could be anything that's their call to this adventure of transformation. Mm-hmm. And, um, that offers a lot of hope to people because, you know, when I've showed people the, the diagram of like the hero's journey, like all written out and I have them identify, like, where do you think you are? Yeah. Um, there's something about like knowing that you're not going to be stuck forever. Like if you have the courage and you, especially if you have help helpers and mentors that come along and help mm-hmm. you through it, like you can know like, oh, okay, like this too shall pass. Yes. So, and then there's, you know, there's a lot that goes with it. There's, you know, the changing our, of our minds and moving through these beliefs that these, like this conditioning that's no longer serving us and limiting beliefs and all of this, but I don't know, it's, it's to me having lived it and then, and still living it. And then that's what I do every day is, is help others, you know, live it and, and move through it. Um, I don't know. I'm so passionate about it. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because a, I, I just think like the suffering within suffering is loneliness. Mm-hmm. And so when we are suffering and we feel like a, no one understands us yeah. or like, no one gets this, like, I must be the only person in the world who's ever felt yeah. so low. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, that's, that's the suffering within suffering. It's like, there's nothing worse than feeling alone um, and feeling misunderstood. And so to have conversations with people where we can talk about, um, you know, this is where I've been and I've lived to tell this story. And this is the wisdom that I've gleaned along the way. And this was my hero's journey. And, you know, and um, cause we're, we're always on it, but to have a place to come and to share their stories to share our stories and to share the wisdom I think is extremely healing Mm -hmm. Um, because everybody, you know, it's one of the things is I think it's why we're obsessed with story as humans. Cause it's not really that anyone cares about my story. No one cares about my story. They can relate. They can relate. And it's the the power or the motivation to help get them through their own story. Exactly. Because it's not about my story. It's about what I've learned. It's the wisdom that I share. It's the gift from the abyss. Right. And it's like, that's what we bring back. This what we bring back to the collective. It's like, I've gone off, I've gone into the dark, I've gone into the deep abscesses and like, you know, the abyss and I've duked it out with my greatest fears and I've come up against the darkest parts of like, I've done the shadow work and then I've come back and this is what I've learned that is what that's the gold, right? Like that's what we share with each other. And so, yeah, that's what I'm hoping we can accomplish with this podcast is to, is to share those things since, because we heal in community Yeah, and I want people to know that they're not alone. And maybe if you listen to one of these episodes and you take a little bit, you know, take, have a little takeaway, maybe a little nugget of wisdom, like that's amazing. Or just, you know, if you're having, if you're in your own like abyss moment and you listen to something and you know, like, Oh my gosh, like I'm not alone. And yeah. I can offer, or one of my guests can offer just a little bit of hope then mission accomplished.
Thanks for listening to the Nest Podcast. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at drmariskataylornd, as well as visit my website at drmariskataylor.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you again next time.